0: I'm Megan. I'm so excited you've tuned in today. I cannot wait to go over Mark 12 with you. You see, we've made it our goal to help you learn the Bible verse by verse, and we started with the book of Mark. Now, if you are new to our podcast, we are so glad you're here. Real quick, let me explain how our podcast works. I will read a passage of scripture, and then we break it down as we go. I will be reading from the English Standard Version, also commonly referred to as the ESV. Today, if you are interested in following along, That's the version to get your hands on. Are you ready to learn about Mark chapter 12? You are listening to Bold Is, a ministry podcast training women how to handle the Word of God. Buckle up, sis. It's about to get real. Here's your host, Megan Rawlings. Hey, are you guys ready to dive into Mark 12? Let's start with the first couple verses. Let's read Mark 12:1 through 12. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from the some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so, with many others, some they beat, and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent them to them saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes." And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. This is the only parable in Mark outside of chapter 4, which means it is important to see it as more than just another parable. Its background is that Galilee boasted many absentee lords. But the point, and it is one that the Jewish religious leaders understood it, The leadership at the time wanted to dictate to God how his people were to be treated. They wanted to control history, but that is a fool's errand. They, like us, are but servants. Also note, the judgment of the landowner is only on the tenants, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, etc. It's not a blanket judgment on the Jewish people themselves. Also, the sending of the son was one with authority, but also a mission of compassion. And how did they treat him? Mark, inspired by the Spirit, is foreshadowing nearly everything else that is to come in his gospel. We must accept God as God, and that means us accepting his word and his son. Let's read 13 through 17. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing the hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So after the parable of the wicked tenants, the three major groups, which comprised the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling body of the Jewish religion, all attempted to test Jesus to try to get him into hot water. They asked about whether they should pay taxes. If Jesus says no, he rebels against Rome. If he says yes, he comes under the condemnation of the zealots. But Jesus' brilliant response is to ask whose image is on the coins that would use to pay taxes. An image stamped on something in the ancient world meant it truly belonged to the person behind the image. But Jesus is not just saying give Caesar's coin back to him. He is also saying that what are we? The image and likeness of God and you can find that in Genesis 1:26 and 27. That is stamped on us. So we should give ourselves to God, our creator and our king. Now let's go on to verses 18 through 27. And Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, and actually this is funny. Um, in my Greek classes, a lot of times you'll read, And they asked, saying, which is redundant. We don't do that in English, but it's like a Greek thing. I just thought that was interesting. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring." Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither rise... They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Now, the Sadducees tried to test Jesus asking about marriage and resurrection, even though the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection or angels or demons. Fun fact. But Jesus shows them up as well. He shows from Exodus one of the five Old Testament books the Sadducees accepted as canonical and show them that God himself speaks of those who have passed from this earth as alive and that marriage does not exist in the new heavens and new earth, but we will instead be servants in one congregation free from death and sin. Just to explain that a little bit more, when we say that they only believe, um, five books. This is the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Sadducees were a sect of Jews who only believed in those first five books. So Jesus used those books to be able to speak to them. He met them where they were. Let's read 28 through 34. And this is one of my favorites. And one of the scribes Came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as self is much more than all who burnt op- more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, "You are not far from the kingdom of God." And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Now, the scribes take their turn in trying to test Jesus. In Greek, the scribe's question really is, which commandment takes priority for all people, Jews and Gentiles? Jesus answered from a passage from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, known as the Shema, which is Hebrew to hear. And it was recited morning and evening by every pious Jew. And that is from J.R. Edwards, in case you want to look that up. He wrote the Gospel according to Mark. The scribe agrees with Jesus, but doesn't understand it, for in other passages, Jesus teaches that all people, even the Samaritans, who most Jews despised as their neighbors, nor do they understand that Jesus himself is God. That is why Jesus answers, you are not far from the kingdom, but he does not tell the scribe he is right. Okay, let's read verse 35 through 37. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard from heaven, heard, sorry, heard him gladly. Jesus has passed all the tests given to him with flying collars, and now he teaches and pronounces two judgments. He begins by denying the prevalent opinion of Jews, and particularly of Jewish leadership, of who the Messiah would be, another David. But Jesus points out that David calls the Messiah Lord, thus superior, which means their view of the Messiah was incorrect, something Jesus will prove with his death and resurrection. Now let's read verses 38-44. through And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows, houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box, which rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they are contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Jesus contrasts two groups, the Jewish leaders who he condemned at the beginning of the chapter and who sought to trap him. He warns the crowds of those who seek wealth and respect in so-called service to God, and he contrasts them with a poor widow who gives but a little. Few give her any mind, including Jewish leaders, but Jesus, God in the flesh, recognizes it, and we should all keep this in mind. Guys, we cannot thank you all enough for being part of the Bold Movement. We wanted to let you know that everything we do in this ministry is 100% free with the exception of a few incentives for our financial supporters. These include discounts on our merchandise, additional resources on our website, and early access to all of our content. If you believe in what we are doing and would like to consider helping a few girls out, would you pray about joining us as sponsors? We have plans ranging from a dollar a month to $25 a month. With your donations, you are ensuring that we can give you, among other women, content to help you better understand your Bible. If you cannot afford to help, we can definitely use your prayers. If you like us, would you rate and review our podcast? This helps get us out there so that others can find it too. Also, please check us out at www.theboldmovement.com. See you next week. But ladies, remember, go out and be bold.